the best um, expression of biophilic design is actually designing outdoor spaces, right? Um, and I'm, I'm actually proud that we're putting a lot more emphasis on, on designing spaces with the intention of making people feel safe, um, enhancing their well-being, and just the notion of understanding that nature also helps productivity. Greetings. This is CCB from the Wonder Podcast, and I have the great good fortune of having another amazing conversation today about places where we spend our time and why they're so important to us. And it's funny to start that conversation because obviously the places where we spend our time have relevance for uh, supporting our safety, supporting our um, our movement forward, supporting our education, supporting our health. But we're thinking about at one workplace, obviously, the how it supports our work environment. And I start by saying we, we're stepping back. We're stepping back and saying it does make more sense to look at the spaces where we spend our time more holistically. And when we think about that, we can't contain it to the indoor spaces. We have to start thinking about how does the outdoor uh, integrate. Today's environment with the result of the global pandemic and the need for everyone to work from home has put a greater spotlight on what those solutions might look like when we get to move back into the office. And since safety is such a huge issue, might we not start thinking more importantly about what happens outdoors as well? So today we have two guests with us from Extremis. Uh, Ashley Anvik and Thomas Wyans. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves before we start having our conversation. So Ashley, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Hi, thanks for having us, first of all. Well, I'm Ashley. Um, my title is Extremis America. Um, I've been with Extremis for about five years now, I guess. Um, and my skill set is, is mostly sales and marketing. I come from the world of um, branded content. I, before Extremis, I was working at the New York Times. And I guess love led me to the world of outdoor furniture. So I guess here I am. And Thomas, that's a good lead in. <laughs> yeah, I guess I have to finish that off, don't I? Um, so... Um, I'm uh, Thomas Winans. I am 30 years old and I've been with Extremis for 25 years. Um, so uh, my parents started it in their garage. Um, and they, uh, so my, my, uh, my mother had inherited some furniture from her grandmother um, and it was plastic and my dad hated it. And um, he decided to deal with the issue at hand by designing a piece of furniture which then um, was received very well. And so a company was started, which they would run on the weekends and in their spare time. And um, yeah. Now... Actually, the furniture was made, designed for you. Uh, yes. The first table had height adjustable benches so the children yes. could, sit, could sit at the same eye level as the adults. Yeah, so, so we, I we guess still you were have... the best test. Yeah, we still have subjects. that product in the, in the collection. So it's, it's not something from the past, but yeah, that's the called the Gargantua. It has height adjustable benches, which accommodates um, 
seating for children and adults and it becomes a bigger table very functional which which really in the early days founded the whole um brand. the whole brand really um so yeah that's that's actually i'm going a little bit <laughs> beyond an introduction to myself but uh, and your title my title is next boss um that's a bit of a joke my my uh, dad's title is big boss and my mom's title is real boss uh yes um, we're always very, very entertained by the <laughs> team when they arrive <laughs> to learn. I don't know what I get to be boss of. Maybe I'll be in charge of the restrooms one day or something, but, you know, boss of something. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah. And that's excellent. We're so happy that you're here starting, doing something. Um, we are, uh, we wanted to have conversation with extremists because, uh, as we mentioned here at, um, in everywhere in the world who's kidding i was gonna say here in the united states but we're all thinking about this how uh how do we move forward safely back into a more uh com com collegial a more collaborative environment a more uh a more um inspiring location the nature of work with people so separated now has clearly lost some creativity clearly lost some productivity and you know we can look at all the different research studies and notice in the beginning uh, the productivity stayed at a certain level and then it even tipped higher because people didn't stop working from when they're working at home yes uh, and now you know a year in that is astonishing to have to say a year into this this um situation it's clear that um, productivity is eroding and connections are eroding because people have been so isolated for so long. And the Zoom environment, as you know, as helpful as it is and all of the different tech technology platforms that allow us to communicate are not allowing us to have that connection. Definitely. Which, which um, so all that being said, we're thinking about how do people integrate outdoor working more effectively to heighten that safety and increase that ability to reconnect as we go back into a more collective work environment. So we know that Extremis has been thinking about this and has been working on different types of solutions. But what, what we'd love to hear is how you started thinking about outside, because outside seems to be much more integrated in the extremist world than it has been in many others. Yeah, well, I guess it starts with the the, the company started designing outdoor furniture. Um, yeah, we, we did not move from the inside to the outside. We actually started out with the um, outdoor spaces. And uh, for us, it always has been mainly about bringing people together, those connections you were mentioning earlier, uh, than about the product. Uh, but back in the 90s, when um, my father started the company, there was not much outdoor uh, furniture available especially not in the contemporary style um so that was you know he he at the time knew very well what was available and and couldn't find anything so um he decided to design something him, himself for himself because he didn't feel like he could buy anything um that would fill his needs yeah and fun, another fun anecdote is your father is a son of a carpenter. His mother is the daughter of a metal worker. And so those are the two materials that we that were initially selected to uh, design the first table. And those, I guess, are, are some of the best outdoor grade yeah. materials you could start with. So 
but it has always been about bringing people together um, and bringing people together in the outdoor space since not, nothing to do with the pandemic really, but that's been always the, the DNA and the, the motto of the company. We, we always say we don't make furniture, we make tools for togetherness. Yeah, and I guess that um, on that topic, Thomas and I started the US division of extremists about five years ago and um, started our partnership actually with Steelcase a couple of years ago. And we were already seeing this, this trend of outdoor spaces becoming more and more important in the workspace. But over the last few years, I would say, even prior to COVID, we saw um, just a little bit of interest in companies asking themselves, can we make more of our outdoor spaces? And so the baseline of extremists is we design tools for togetherness. Everything is designed. Um, everything is designed by observing the interaction between people and offering them a new way to connect. So we kept observing the behavior in the workspace and watching why employees started coming outside. It wasn't just to have coffee with, with a colleague. It wasn't just to have a five minute meeting. People were bringing their laptops out and staying for several hours or as long as, you know, their, their technology resources enabled them to stay there. Well, and, and most outdoor workspaces at most companies are truly uh, spaces to take your lunch break. Um, and that is something we see a clear shift in that companies are looking at as well. If we have to do something with the space anyway, well, maybe it can be productive. Um, and uh, yeah, therefore new solutions are needed and we are working hard on those. So, there, you, you raise an issue uh, implicitly um, in this conversation in that um, extremists thought about outdoors before they thought about indoors. They thought about that connection between human beings. But yeah. there also is a reason for the, you know, the, um, the benefit of the outdoors, which clearly is, uh, has been talked about you know, endlessly, I would say, over the yeah. last decade at least for biophilia, the nature of that, the, um, the value that the connection to nature and the outdoors bring to the human being because they that's where we come from. So knowing that, was that a knowledge at extremists? Was that explicit? Did you understand that connection early on? Or I mean, were your parents actually thinking about that? Or was that just a growing knowledge base that continued to support? I think it was... Um always always a big part of it but maybe not as as uh, consciously well i think as, I, as it is becoming i now. could um shed some light on that too so i'm from montana i'm from the us and thomas is from belgium and in my first trips to visit thomas and his family um i was amazed of how much time the you know the, these people spend outdoors everything was centered around being outdoors um dining, you know, coming together at the table was a must for every meal. And it was often as we as they could outdoors. And so I think it started a little bit as, as a cultural, um, a cultural thing. I think here in, in the US, we certainly enjoy the outdoors. And we love visiting our national parks and, and spending time outdoors. But I think um, it's a little bit more ingrained in, in the culture there. And maybe that's why well, it could also be that the climate in Belgium is 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 so unpleasant in the in the winter 
that people are really trying to take a full advantage of, of every single uh, minute they can be outside in the summer months. Yeah, but certainly um, biophilia and the science behind um, our innate connection to nature and its effects on our well-being um, is the impetus for us bringing ourselves outside more. Um, and yeah, we we see the benefits, uh, but the, 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 the best um, expression of biophilic design is actually designing outdoor spaces, right? Um, and I'm, I'm actually proud that we're putting a lot more emphasis on on designing spaces with the intention of making people feel safe, um, enhancing their well-being, and just the notion of understanding that nature also helps productivity. Um, and so, again, being outside, bringing nature inside is, is a beautiful thing as well, and, and I think helps foster creativity and productivity indoors. But being outdoors is actually the, the fullest expression of biophilic design, um, in our opinion. It's, it's even interesting that study, uh, you probably know the numbers better, that we spend, what, 95? You spend 90% of our time indoors. Right. Right. And, you know, it's, it's appalling if, if we understand our connection to nature, why we don't explicitly try to bring ourselves out more. Um, but again, we are making big strides in that. And we've seen it over the last couple of years of people really um, putting emphasis on their outdoor spaces, not as like a secondary or a last um, objective, but one of the first or second objectives. So we're seeing that shift. And we could talk about this even more universally when we think about, we're not just talking about the working environment. I mean, Thomas, you start talking about home environments and how, how that, um, that uh, connection and that collegial and that collaboration and that um, your togetherness uh, is is so much more rich in the outdoors as you know as compared to the indoors even though we do it in both locations uh, but we're not just so we're talking about home but we're also talking about where we learn and mm -hmm. so the learning environments and how there's a huge uh, movement in learning environments and in education to in, integrate more of nature and integrate more of the outdoors in learnings because because of those well-being elements and because of the ability that people have to make connections in those natural environments and so learning is enhanced and we also know in healthcare that there's been you know for over 30 years there have been interest and understanding in what that connection to nature does and that moves into the healing gardens and some yeah. of those other you know, external outdoors environments that um, that uh, healthcare environments put together. So, and go ahead. Stress is also um, uh, there's a lot of studies that show that um, you know heart rate slows down, releasing some stress. So, so you know, if you have a tough day at work, uh, it could be a solution to have the option to go sit outside for a second to tackle this job that's stressing you out. Maybe absolutely, it will help you getting the fresh air. We, we've also done some studies uh, or some learning at one workplace around sensory design. And that also is attached to the, the wellness and well-being that comes from those full connections, be it to the visual or to the auditory or to the sensory um, or to the tactile. And so that you, you get immediately in any kind of environment it, it needs to be more thoughtfully designed in the interior spaces because you don't have access to all the nature. Whereas outside, and I'm curious, 
and I know a lot of people are, the, the nature of the design of those outdoor materials, those outdoor resources and solutions that you come up with. And if they are tools for togetherness, could you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, well, when you're designing an outdoor space, there's, there's several factors that you, that you have to consider, mostly as it relates to the weather. Um, well, and so, also uh, depending on the function of the space itself. Right. So I think the first, you know, the first step when we think about outdoor spaces, especially in the workplace um, or in the learning environment or in the healthcare setting, it's what is the purpose of the space? And I think that's what I'm excited about. Um, again, we, we often think about outdoor spaces as secondary or, you know, if we have budget left, we will we will put some picnic tables out there. I'm excited for us to be just as functional and intentional about our outdoor spaces as we have been with our indoor spaces. And so there's there's so many more things. And the studies actually at Biophilia show that you don't need to spend all day outdoors to feel its effect. Even just a 20 minute walk outdoors can reduce stress, lower blood pressure, and give a sense of, of, of calm um, for the rest of the day. And so just knowing that um, there's so much more we can do than you know, have have a coffee with our colleagues. We can bring our laptop out for a couple hours of work. We can work on a project together. We can host a meeting outdoors. So it's first defining kind of the purpose of the space and then tying that back to what functionality do you need in the furniture? And I guess the, the first thing that we think about is, um, can this furniture stay outdoors? If you have to have things that are blowing away and, and moving around, it uh, sort of defeats the purpose of having a sustainable outdoor space. So that's one of the things yeah. that we focus on is finding the materials that last, um, creating heavy, durable furniture that you don't have to um, worry about blowing away, uh, that can be exposed to all the elements. I think that's the that's the baseline that you, you kind of have to think yeah. about outdoors. If, it's, if you don't do all these things well, then it could potentially have an opposite effect where you know for example if there's a glare in your screen from the sun because the shade isn't sufficient if there's um wind or noise pollution uh, well, wind is not a pollution but noise pollution or or wind that bothers you um or or you basically your, your wi-fi is constantly cutting out because you're too far from from the source well then it can actually create more stress than it solves so yeah it's i think it's just all these things. defining the the function of the space the intention for the space and then understanding what tools are necessary and i think um technology has been a, the main limitation for outdoor spaces but uh, we're making strides on that it's something that we at extremists are focusing on is how can we provide as many tools as possible and as many postures as possible and functionalities to make outdoor spaces successful well, we, uh, I would say that we are really grateful and, uh, and delighted to have the thinking that you have been working on for as many years as you have, because it's so much more iterative than, than today we need to move outside. So let's decide what yes. kind of outdoor spaces we're going to create. So, uh, so I think what extremists, I know what extremists helps us with is the amount of information and the amount of time that you've spent thinking about this, because within our environment we clearly have been concerned about technology and data and power and how does that and how does that enable lengthy outdoor time mm -hmm. uh, and so that's something that just as you bring up is a huge concern and there are many many um, factors to be 
taken into consideration in order to provide that seamless moving from yes. the indoors to the outdoors. And, um, and I know you also have had, and we've had examples together, opportunities together to work with clients who are very interested in evaluating the, um, the capabilities and the capacity that they have in their outdoor spaces or can build in them. So I'd love for you to talk about uh, the LinkedIn example, if you might, because yeah. that, that's got a lot of rich data. Yes, um, absolutely. It's something we're super proud of, actually, uh, in partnership with One Workplace and Steelcase. Um, LinkedIn tasked One Workplace with the assignment of helping them think outside the box with um, creating new workspaces. And literally outside the box. At the time, they were actually asking us about picnic tables. Can we put one of your hopper tables outside? And we said to ourselves, well, why don't we think about it a little bit more in depth and actually you know, understand what you want people to get out of the space? And the intention was to have people coming outside for anywhere from a few minutes to a couple hours a day and doing, doing work. Um, so we actually created some custom solutions to be able to accommodate having monitors outside on long tables, plenty of space uh, for employees to sit there with their laptops hooked up to their monitor, um, power management solutions, uh, plenty of shade coverage. And another important factor that we, we learned um, is not really a... Uh, it's sort of a necessity is reducing distractions. So space dividers and biophilic elements, plants and such to drown out any distractions. And um, at first it kind of felt like a pie in the sky idea. And we were like, oh, is this, is this gonna work? And actually they said it was one of their most successful experiments that they did at that innovation lab. Um, compared to an indoor space with a similar setup, it, their utilization rates were 40% higher than that space. So they did quantitative feedback. They monitored the um, they monitored when people were coming, when they were leaving, how long they were staying, and they also did qualitative feedback with surveys. They had a whiteboard where they asked employees, "Do you you know what do you like about the space? What can be improved?" And the feedback was actually overwhelmingly positive. People loved um, the opportunity to actually sit down and and actually do work instead of just you know have a small meeting or a cup of coffee. So. Um, I think they're, I would guess they're one of the only companies that that did that kind of experimentation and to that, ex to that, that extent. extent. Yeah. Um, and I think we can all agree it was a, a nice success. And it was interesting to see as well that it was, I think, a uh, demographic that didn't have access to outdoor working at all. You know, if, if, if you mainly um, have to respond to emails or something, then... With your laptop, you can go sit at a picnic bench. It might not be like perfectly ideal ergonomically and everything, but you know you, you have that option to, to do that. Uh, but bringing those monitors outside and everything, we saw programmers uh, coming outside to do programming there. Yeah. And I think for, for them, that, must, that probably was uh, one of the first times they had the option to do their daily task um, in the outdoors um, in, in a productive way. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but talking about uh, the outdoor workspace, I think there's also a great future for outdoor meeting spaces, um, maybe even more than than uh, than 
Yeah, that was actually one of the feedback that one of the requests from the the employees is is we would like a bigger meeting space. We would love we loved that we can do our heads down work here, but we'd like to also help host meetings outdoors. Um, but we learned a lot from that experiment, and you know about things we can improve and what elements truly do um, bother people. Glare on the tables, if you know if if that's a um, if that's an issue, a ladybug, you know coming on your keyboard every once in a while. So, you know, those are things you have to think about when you think about outdoor spaces. Uh, but it's another thing that the um, that the LinkedIn example raises, another kind of issue that it raises is the nature of the culture of the organization and yeah. how that accepts and or, you know, is willing to experiment and, and willing to learn or, you know, fail and learn. Yeah. Um, because there was, we have a, an, an example um, that we had found in our studies that L.L. Uh, Bean had tried that outside, outside spaces um, for their people. And 65% and of the people that, that used the L.L. Bean outdoor spaces, which was in the last decade, were, were not happy with it. They didn't feel that their, uh, that their supervisors approved mm -hmm. of it. Interesting. You know, so it wasn't accepted. And we have found that, uh, I would say, constantly over um, over changes in design, even in interior space design, when the mini cafes and mini kitchens kind of came into vogue and they were placed around environments, when they were uh, intentional as part of the initial design uh, and completely accepted by the organization, they were successful. But if people saw them because they had them at, you know, a, B, or C tech firm, and they were very, very popular, and they brought them into their own environment without that kind of acceptance, they would just sit there dormant. Literally, people would not use them. Or if you started using them and got a funny look, you wouldn't yeah. go back. So it's curious how the culture, how all cultures need to be embracing of whatever the changes are being made. Yeah. And I wonder what, you know, if you have other experiences of organizations where uh, outdoor spaces you know, were, were um, attractive, but not utilized? Well, mm -hmm. um, good question. It's, 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 a, it's a very good um, observation. Um, I, I definitely believe that uh, if a company, you know, is, is uh, not ready culturally uh, for, let's say, ancillary spaces and all that kind of stuff, then, then the outdoor workspace is probably a, a stretch. A stretch. Uh, and you might see some of those stretches now with COVID um, because, you know, for safe, safe working, well, they might skip all the rest and just go straight to the outdoor workspace. And um, if the if the company culture doesn't support it, it's the same as with everything. Uh, but I don't think we have really see, seen from our own experience um, good examples of, of, um, of companies that decided to do something like this and right. weren't ready for it. Uh, but at Steelcase itself, at their headquarters, they've been, since the COVID pandemic, um, completely, I mean, we had a lot of our furniture out there already on, on their campus. Um, but the way they started using it was very different. And we started rearranging stuff and they started rearranging stuff. And and it it's, it's sort of was an organic uh, progression yeah. of, of how it was used. Um, 
Well, and since we started partnering with Steelcase, you know, they have such a focus on flexibility and giving, you know, user choice and combining that with the insights into well-being and really focusing on intentional spaces and based on what who's coming to work, why they're coming to work. So the clients that we, you know, were working with had already had that kind of ruminating that that mindset. And so the idea of of not having employees fixed to a um, to one desk all day long, that was yeah part of most of the projects that we worked on. And so outdoor spaces were, was just another ancillary space to give employees an option for for working or meeting. So, um, but I completely agree that culture is key yeah. and trusting your employees that if they're outside with their laptop, they're actually doing work. And yeah. um, and it, it well, should be a no brainer too with the the, the studies of enhanced creativity and productivity by, by nature, um, a couple hours outdoors actually goes a long way. If, if management sees it as going to play outdoors instead of, you know, going to do work there, um, then, you know, what I would say is um, if people had the intention of getting away with not doing any work, it's much easier to just hide in a cubicle. Um, or stay home. See it. <laughs> or yeah. stay, or home, stay home, right. Right. Um, I, so I, I'm, I have another thought that I, I know you will have more uh, knowledge about than we will here on, in California, but what about the, um, the, the climate and, yeah. and, and, um, and kind of constancy of outdoor spaces? Have you thought about places that are more like Belgium than uh, California and how, how can that be helped? Are there, you know, are there um, kind of hybrid models of indoor outdoor spaces? There could be, well, for, first of all, what, what I what I like to say about climate is that um, people always assume that as an outdoor brand, our best, most successful markets are in the southern areas where it's warm and everything. But what's often um, it's often wrong because um, the southern climates sometimes take their good weather for granted because it's there all there all year long. Um, and uh, the, the northern climates, um, they really want to take advantage of the, the good weather months to use the outdoor and actually build up the energy to get through the winter even. Mm -hmm. um, so so it, 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 I feel like the outdoor spaces are, are appreciated more in the climates that don't have access to it all year round. Um, and then, yeah, when it comes to hybrid models, there are... Um, solutions pavilions uh we we work with a with a um, uh, we have a sort of a partnership with a brand called ransom which makes uh, pavilions that kind of uh allow for sort Indoor, of a hybrid outdoor. uh space with some infrared heating and stuff like that um we are getting one of those pavilions ourselves um, at our headquarters here in michigan um and uh, yeah we are also working on um on you know on solutions to try to like extend the season but you know we we, we don't have in our own range on our own a, a solution that allows you to be in michigan weather uh, we have about what two feet of snow here now um yeah it's probably not the best yeah. idea to go sit outside well and i now. think it's important too i don't think you're gonna get all the infrastructure that you need from one manufacturer um let's be honest um I think when the concept of an outdoor space starts to become more central to the design process of 
the entire workspace, um, you will just, you know, be able to source all the infrastructure you would need to create a um, middle of the winter outdoor workspace, whether it's a pavilion with heating, um, whether it's light sources and um, making it feel a little bit more part of the infrastructure and not just a temporary setup. That's when you'll start to see real outdoor workspaces popping up. And there are, there's definitely many solutions to create such an environment. Um, we're working on things like power, lighting, um, our furniture perfectly accommodates outdoor working, but I think some of those those uh, more semi-permanent infrastructure type things will be part of this change post-COVID. And, you know, our stuff can just stay outside even when you don't use it in the winter. It's not that it all has to be, like, stored away. It, yep. it will be there ready for the next it season. It will be part of the infrastructure. And, and you will see that people will get quite adventurous in, in the northern climates uh, as soon as it's spring and the sun comes comes out a little bit, uh, people will will uh, will probably start using it in fifteen minute increments because they just can't wait for the weather to get good enough to really like use it fully. Uh, you have, I think, successfully considered uh, not only the challenges but also the aesthetics, so that it does. Uh, you have created through a lot of your solutions, very attractive environments that people are going to want to. And yeah. we're always delighted to be able to um, work with you and also work with all of our clients to think through what those best solutions might be. We're kind of coming to the end of the, um, of the podcast time. And so I just wondered if uh, either or both of you have like final thoughts that you would like to share and almost in the nature of, you know, takeaways or either a takeaway thought for people to consider or challenges that maybe you'd like to suggest people? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, where to start, I guess we have so many. Um, where do you want to start on that? I guess um, for me, what I find interesting is um, in the early 20th century when we were dealing with the uh, tuberculosis pandemic and then um, the Spanish flu pandemic, outdoor learning and outdoor living was sort of second nature and a no-brainer for people. Um, they adapted uh, the classroom for outdoors, even in colder months. Um, I think what's exciting to me is um, that I guess we are becoming more intentional about outdoor workspaces. Um, they don't just have to be cafe space. It, it can be uh, a place to learn, a place to uh, meet with colleagues and connect. It can be a place to actually get heads down work done. Um, there are some, some things about the natural elements that maybe people aren't as comfortable with, but I do feel like in terms of well-being and an added layer of safety at the workplace, outdoor spaces are, are going to be critical for, um, for the future office. Yeah. And um, our best piece, most suitable piece so far for outdoor working is still in the making. Yeah. Um, so we have a uh, really high expectation. I, I think it's our best piece uh, for outdoor working, but it might also be, in, in my opinion, the best piece for outdoor working. Um, and um, yeah, we will we'll, we'll, we are looking into new technologies like uh, LightFi, 
which is uh, a an, uh, an data connection which um, allows you to have access to internet only when you're on the, at the table so you don't have to like give out wi-fi to the whole parking lot where everybody can hack into it uh, like all kinds of new technologies that will uh, move us forward in this in this space um, and we are partnering um, for that particular technology with Modular. Um, they uh, they really have some exciting stuff coming up. Yeah, and I would say one last thing. Um, I think we're all starving for connection. And one of the biggest reasons to come back to the office will be to be together with our colleagues and meeting new people um, and connecting with clients. And you know, we're going to need nice spaces to, in safe spaces to connect with people. Um, so if anybody's questioning the value of the outdoor spaces, don't be afraid to, yeah. to uh, and, consider them as part of the office. And tonight we actually even have an outdoor meeting with the local chamber of commerce in two feet of snow. Yes. Yeah, so, so if we can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for honestly sharing the, um, the, the, information, the knowledge and the experiences that Extremist brings to this particular market, but also the um, the uh, the universal nature of togetherness and your your part in emphasizing that and the importance of it, which is absolutely lovely. Uh, we want to thank Thomas and Ashley from Extremist for joining us today on the um, Wonder Podcast and let you all know that the Wonder Podcast can be heard, downloaded on all of your normal streaming services. And we will look forward to talking to you again sometime soon.